Welcome to the UX Growth Podcast, your go-to source for expert insights and actual advice on all things UX design. If you're enjoying the show, I would love for you to subscribe and never miss an episode on your podcasting platform. And don't forget to sign up for our UX Growth Insider newsletter, where you will get exclusive access to even more resources, tips, and insights that help you take your UX design skills to the next level. Be sure to check out our website at theuxgrowth.com, where you can find show notes and links to our social media channels. And last but not least, be sure to follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn for even more UX design goodness. All links are found in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and let's grow together. Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season two with Jill Coral, a product designer who has worked at Amazon and Teague. And it's so wonderful to have you here with me, Jill. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, so let's start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became on your journey to become a product designer. Well, uh, I always say that how I ended up being a designer was uh, three things. One, being left-handed, because I quickly realized at a very young age that things were designed, you know, with a capital D, uh, scissors, softball mitts, uh, record players, instructions for toys. They were not designed for me. Uh, and that really made me see the world as something that was intentionally designed. Uh, another thing was living in a tiny San Francisco apartment, 200 square feet. It was, I had to optimize every workflow to an extreme. A bed is a couch is a tea room. Everything had two or three functions minimum. And, but the thing that really uh, pitched me headlong into uh, design, uh, which is uh, design with a capital D being my, third career um, is being a technical writer because I quickly realized that technical writing, mostly in my opinion, is writing around bad UI, like software, Ikea, 10 page manual for a toaster. Uh, things should just work. Uh, as someone famously said, mm -hmm. um, this is what uh, really, you know, within the past 15 years or so really pushed me to become as a job with a design title for money. In a sense, I've always been a designer. My other uh, previous careers, I would generally characterize as uh, a writer or in marketing, um, which all mm -hmm. included design aspects. And I was uh, doing web design long ago before the newest age of it. That's my, <laughs> yeah. that's my hero origin story. And where I am now is, um, mm -hmm trying to evolve into my next form, like a uh, Pokemon. So. <laughs> I know, I totally feel you for like, even from like my origin, uh, starting as this a print designer, then I went to a web designer, then I went to a UX designer. So like, I totally get you where it feels like we're going in these different stages in our lives. Absolutely. And like how we, you know, how we build our skills and go through like the next evolution form of like what it was that we're going to because you know it's like there's a lot of the future of the ux field that's just going that a lot of people don't know about <laughs> yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, tell me tell me about uh what are some of your favorite kind of like project industries that you have worked in the past that just excite you the most that you feel like that's that was your true calling and what mm-hmm. some of the things that people who are looking to get into that field can learn from. Sure. Uh so I would say that a a, a standout part of uh my de- design career uh, has been uh, one of the most recent forms. Like I'm currently uh, working as a design consultant. Uh, and I'm just prior to that, I was working for uh, in voice design and conversation design, mm-hmm. which felt like a uh, coming home in a lot of ways, because as I mentioned, I had earlier been a writer. Uh, my college degree is in literature and linguistics. And oh, having okay. been an experience designer, UX designer in the, the what it currently means in terms of job descriptions, it seemed that being able to work with language explicitly beyond, mm-hmm. say, UI copy in a very um, multidisciplinary way, even beyond quote unquote traditional UX design, was uh, so I was I was working uh, for Alexa. And it was actually uh, multimodal and multilingual design. And so what that means is designing for conversation and the qualities of that, which are uh, verbal, acoustic, um, behavioral in a different way than designing for screens. And so that I really felt like I could bring a lot of parts of what interests me in design and what Mm -hmm. my strengths as a broader creative are. So I will take this moment to talk about just the title, you know, I keep on saying, you know, traditional quote unquote UX design. So I, most of the time that you hear the phrase experience design, 90% of the time you see it in say a job title, a job listing, what it actually means is software design Mm -hmm. for screens. And so I would, and Obviously, there is the conversations around what is a UX designer are always very fiery and enlivened. When I use it, I mean it in the broadest sense of designing experiences, regardless of format. It can Mm -hmm. be multi-sensory. It can be online plus offline, omni-channel, what have you. So that is a recent favorite thing that I worked on. And um, I will call out one particular aspect of it which I feel is one of the most meaningful things I've worked on was uh, I worked on uh, developing uh, the voice and experience for Alexa's U.S. Spanish voice. I myself am a U.S. born uh, Latina. I grew up bilingual and I got to work on this in terms of making that product bilingual. And that was fantastic. Uh, I got to, it had community aspects. It had uh, user research aspects, it had cultural aspects, it had representation and equity aspects that were incredible in terms of a learning experience and actually feeling like what I was designing uh, and impacting uh, mm-hmm. was very meaningful. And the way that users and customers reacted to it was absolutely incredible. 
Oh, wow. That, that is quite exciting. And I can see why that means a lot to you personally, too, just because of how we combine our passions with what we stu like studied in college. And then when we actually go out into the field and be able to make a difference, really, I think that's the beautiful aspect of UX design is to actually see our work out in the open and how it actually affects users' lives for the better. Yeah, absolutely. And just one thing that what you're saying uh, remind me of is that connecting those threads, but something that I feel is true of a lot of UX designers or people that go into the field of experience design or, pro or product design is that they are very multidisciplinary. They come from all different backgrounds. When I first started in UX design, which was, or web design, whatever you want to call it, uh, the first wave of people had by necessity never worked in it before because it simply did not exist. And there were then, and there are still people now that come into it from other disciplines, such as architects, like people that literally mm -hmm. build houses and design houses, because there's ways of thinking about workflows and layouts that map to other disciplines. There are people that come in that are, you know, like what I first spoke about, which is like, there is a strong language component could be that then leads to UX writing. But I find that experienced designers are very much my people because people are hybrids. They come in with different strengths. And that's part of why it's so, the, the whole title thing, what do we even call ourselves is so unwieldy because there are people mm -hmm. that come with, with more you know engineering interest and building and prototyping interest and chops. There are people that are more on visual ends of things. There are people that are more on the, the information architecture or IA end of things. And it is really just a wonderfully motley crew of multidisciplinary and multi-passionate and multi-talented people that is fantastic. And I am, am proud to be amongst them. Yeah, absolutely. The more I've gotten into the UX community, the more I realized like just how diverse it is compared to so many other industries. I was actually like really surprised, like so many different backgrounds also, uh, that also means I, all these positions that that need fulfilling in companies are all can be, just be different and with the different demands and the different skill sets they need because the field is so big. Yeah, I, I just feel like um, what would you say to those who are just getting into the field and realizing like just how big this field is and it feels like they need to juggle a lot of different skill sets? Yeah, I would say this is a great question. So. There are, especially for folks starting out, I would think more about what, ki what kind of place do you want to work in? What is, are you more interested in being honestly a specialist or a generalist? Because right now, like if you look at, you'll see a million different job descriptions for UX designers. Some are at big companies, some are at small companies. A lot of them are very templated. They pretty much 85% of the time all read the same and they're like these big catch-all unicorn flavored posts. I can, I can tell you that if you are somebody that enjoys wearing a lot of different hats and love being a generalist, embrace being a generalist, you love to do usability. You love to do like information architecture. You love, you can wear, you love to do visual aspects. You love to do UI. You enjoy wearing all the hats and even spilling out into design adjacent roles such as design management or you know say what's now often called like design technologist 
or building or prototype or whatever. If you like to do all the things and you're trying to learn about all the things, or maybe even you're just starting out and you're wanting to try all the things to figure out what you're most interested in, I would say you want to be probably at a smaller company or on a small new team at a big company. Because one of the things that happens when you get into bigger companies is that roles are generally, and again, this is mostly true most of the time, bigger company roles at bigger companies are going to be more specialist roles where they want you to go very deep on one thing and get better at that one thing and be the best at that one thing. And actually a lot of times do not stray from doing that one thing. And if you have a lot of experience doing a lot of different things, they honestly will probably be not as interested in you than if you were focusing on this one aspect of it the whole time and specializing. If you are uh, somebody that is more likes changing gears, likes wearing a lot of hats, even doing things that are not official job, design job role type of stuff, like project or program managing or technical work or any of these kinds of things. Um, Then to you, I would recommend a smaller company startup if you want to really, um, if you really want a trial by fire or consulting or creative agencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I have in my current evolution, I am loving consulting work because from one project to the next, you are wearing a a different hat. You are an adventure. You're, you know, only ever three, six months, one year away from a shiny new project. It depends on uh, what your appetite is. And here's the thing. I'm quite senior, but Mm -hmm. creative agencies are also a great place for people starting out. So um, yeah, like think about what kind, like where you are, because you could be a specialist or a generalist at any point in your career from out of straight out of school to, you know, more seasoned. So I think that that is one of the, probably the first and best thing I would tell anybody looking for a job, because that's where you can set yourself up for success to thrive and grow as a designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely actually agree with all that because I, I view myself as a generalist and I have a lot of agency experience because they definitely throw out a lot of different stuff and they they need a lot of hands-on for different things. So it's like, it's exciting to be able to change up so many different things. It's like, it, it just like, it's a new, it's really a new day every single time you step in. And, you know, I understand like not everyone's about that, but you know, I am. So that's the reason why yeah. I'm, I find my Excel, uh, my, my Excel at that. Also, like you definitely make sense, figure out which of these companies that best align with you. Because like in the very beginning, I was just applying to like everywhere. And I didn't even know, like, what would I be good at? I just felt like I would just be good at all of it. Turns out that yeah, I kind of like through a trial and error process of these interviews, like turns out that some of these do speak better than others to me. And, you know, it definitely is like a trial and error process sometimes to be able to figure it out, to know, like, where is it that you belong the best? Absolutely. And it's worth changing gears too, yeah. right? Like, for example, like right now I'm in consulting. I've done it before. You know, I was at Amazon for 10 years, which is obviously a big company, 
Uh, but within that, I was always in these like very new startup type teams, like as the, uh, you know, first or sole designer where it felt small, but it was still within the big thing. So like, I would say that's something to think about, but also changing gears between in-house and consulting is good and Mm -hmm. changing gears between individual contributor and manager is good because then when you change gear, like, you know, the longer you get in your career, it's Mm -hmm. very interesting. And here's the thing, you can even be a very young manager. Like if you're like design manager, if you're fresh out of school, because going back and forth actually builds your muscles and gives you appreciation of, and makes you operate better in whatever it is you then choose next. Like, for example, like I just spoke about the appeal client services, different projects, adventures, you know, shiny new objects, et cetera. But there was a, when I did consulting in the past, I grew tired of that. And as I put it at the time, I said, I want to, because I was, as I put it at the time and this metaphor, take it or leave it. But I felt like I was just throwing the babies over the wall, you know, just like, here you go go build this, go do this or enjoy, you know, your website, whatever. When I switched over to in-house at the time, I wanted to raise the child as I put it and, you know, you know, raise the baby where I wanted to, you know, build something and, you know, have longer length projects or, you know, grow with a product or have that long-term ownership of, you know, maturing a product or, growing with a company. So that's something else to consider in terms of mm-hmm. like, think about it, like, it's like, you know, cross training, CrossFit, you know, the things, maybe it's useful to th- like, just know that whatever you're doing right now in your career, it's not it. It's not, you know, you can change it up. Just think that's yeah, not permanent. Yeah. yeah. Just lead with curiosity and uh, go where, what, with what energizes you. That's what has driven me. It's like, where do you feel you can most learn and grow and chase that? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I always like to say to to a lot of my listeners also, it's like to not be complacent where you are with life, because I feel like that kills careers faster than anything. Absolutely. Cosign. I know uh, on the topic of the fact that like, a lot of people go to UX design and they think of only screens. And I love the dimension of like taking that off screens. How can we build a, a user experience that doesn't involve screens? It's just so uh, fascinating. And to a lot of designers who are just getting out of school, it feels like that's unheard of because that's just all they know from screens. So I would love to know more about the process about what what does UX designer look like with not using screens and how can someone learn from that? There's like just starting with an example I already gave, which was um, say voice or conversation design Mm -hmm. uh, and thinking about just sort of more broadly human-centered design, multi-sensory design, say designing for screens is visual. But then mm-hmm. think about also the haptic feedback or touch feedback you get from even those same devices, which are still like, say, screen devices, where in what by haptic, I mean, that is like when there is feedback, when um, you are, you know, say playing your Nintendo Switch and some sound like video games are a great example of mm-hmm. designing for other environments or just an analog to designing for real spaces 
one, think about like the joystick that gives you the, the touch feedback or that rumbles when, you know, during a fight or driving a car. That is experience design. There is sound associated with that. There is visuals associated with that. Again, that's still, we're still in a visual realm. But think about, say, and um, uh, where I've been working at Teak, which is very much uh, an industrial design firm, which designs for, you know, say airplane interiors, a lot of stuff with aerospace, thinking about what is an environment sound, sound like to be in it, to occupy a multidimensional space. What does it smell like? What is the, the full experience? What is the experience of sitting in an airline seat? It goes back to all the human senses. Uh, another example is I was working in, uh, online plus offline physical stores. And so this was uh, designing for, I was working on the, you know, e-commerce piece of it, of the, you know, the checkout where, you know, it's just, again, that's a screen UX situation, but also how does mm -hmm. that play with the environment that you're in? Does it connect to your phone? Does your phone know that you're already in this space? What about the wayfinding? What, how do you find your way through a space? What does it sound like in different parts of a store? And so you have these sort of like hybrid, like hybrid design type opportunities. And these are probably, again, if you're just like on Indeed or LinkedIn or what have you, you're not, you're probably not going to see these types of roles under the title UX designer, because that's pretty much, again, co-opted for like screen UI. But a word you might want to look for is multimodal design. That is something that is, uh, you're starting to see that more. Uh, now, which, uh, and to define that for usage, that usually means like screen plus something else, uh, mm -hmm. usually screen plus sound or like thinking about, or say anything like, and I hate to use the word, this word, but, uh, metaverse or spatial, like spatial, like mm -hmm. with, with a T immersive design, thinking about like designing for whole spaces, whether they are virtual or real world. I am personally ob obsessed with this space right now. I'm very interested in ambient, like ambient design is another word you might start seeing uh, things around this and uh, related to this. So I'm thinking here of uh, an art exhibit I went to recently. Uh, the, the artist actually who put, who uh, put this together is uh, Yonsi, who's from Sigur Ross, an Icelandic artist. And this exhibit was here in Seattle and it was incredible. So you have this full on ambient sound design where you're traveling through this mm -hmm. space. The sound is different in different spaces. The visuals are just absolutely captivating and transporting. There was a scent design to it where there was distal, distillate sort of like vaporized air quality to it, where it was like, it was supposed to smell of the sea because Reykjavik and Seattle are sister cities and it was very evocative. So now think about like, okay, that sounds very hand wavy. What does this mean for a UX designer looking for a job? Look at different, like immersive design is like the example I just gave. That was very much real world, meet space, walk into a room type thing. But think about how this could map to an online mediated experience. Video games are always going to be a great example, but there's a lot of things on the edges 
where most things are still in this field are still going to involve a screen on some level. But right now, just off the top of my head, I know a lot of UX roles that involve robotics or designing for physical spaces. And by robots, I mean like consumer novelty, you know, robot experiences, anything related to Wow, it's so obvious. I haven't even like mentioned it yet. AI. So like I like it, to me, it's just so obvious. That's like what I was working in. Yeah, when I, no, no, all this like voice and conversation design stuff I'm talking about, that was all AI stuff that I was working on. Um, that space. And right now, and I almost hate to mention it because like the bu- how buzzwordy that has gotten. Yeah, it is. Is like it means so many different things right now. But when I, I'm talking about it, I think of there are actual UX designers helping to train those, you know, LLMs, those large language models that are driving a lot of these voice or chat related interfaces. There are visual aspects to that. There are UX aspects of that in terms Mm -hmm. of presentation layer design, but also under the hood. So I would look in those spaces if you're looking into experience design. I love thinking about, say, like designing for train travel, airplanes, like those enclosed spaces, excited about what's going on in terms of healing environments that involve like, you know, sound or immersive design as a, you know, sound plus visual plus space design as treatment modalities. Yeah, it's just you have like, look a little broader and look beyond those titles. Um, in places where you would not ex- expect to look. So right now, again, like UX mostly means um, software design for screens. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so far beyond that. And, you know, it can be, you know, I, you know, with what I'm saying now targeting, you know, thinking about like younger or mid-career designers, you're thinking like, wow, this all sounds so interesting, but a lot of this stuff is very new, or I mm-hmm. literally have not done any other any of this stuff before, like, what about my portfolio, you know, our wonderful portfolios um, that we have to have evidence of having done something in order to be able to do it. Let me tell you that you can basically in term, if you are trained in sort of like the core, you know, HCD human centered design principles, you have a very portable skill set that will serve you as a wonderful foundation for any of this, you've basically got 75 or 80 percent of it in the bag. I don't care what software you know, like your Figma, your nothing. Like those are like when you're younger, you tend to over-index on like, I know how to use this software, I know how to use that software, and not how to use this other thing. You're going to experience a million different tools in your life as a designer. Focus on those foundational elements because that is what is reusable and will serve you. So getting back to how do you end up with getting this type of work? If you are, if you're interested in this type of work, how do you pivot? Pivoting is something I've mentored people on. I'm currently really doing this myself. And the best way to do this, I think, is to get your, get into a space where you can either explicitly get that kind of work in a low stakes kind of way. And I'll explain what I mean. Or you're, you are situated in a place that you can learn things adjacent to your role. So the first example I get, the first part of that would be, I would say, again, kind of back to the creative agency type of work, whether that is through a 
creative like um, agency that is like more of a contractor type format or whether it is more of a um, design consultancy or design firm type of format, because that lets you try on a lot of different things in quick succession. Like for example, when I was working in-house, I would have one main portfolio example from like one or two years of work where you are, if you are more in a, a um, self-employed through whatever, you're more on a project-based story, you can then say in a year end up with like, you know, three or four different kinds of examples. That's one alternative if you're trying to pivot in terms of kind of a lower stakes, higher, like sort of like quicker turn kind of platform. The other way to do to pivot is get yourself a role in a place that is doing the types of things that you're interested in. It could be a cool startup. It could be a small, weird new team in a big company that gives you access to things. Doing the same thing you've already always done. But one thing I've always done to like sort of like pivot internally and to change things up, and by internally, I mean like internal to a company, is use like 10 or 20% of your time, even if sometimes that means working a little bit more, to do some to insert yourself into something that you're excited about and learn about it. Just be like, it can be somebody on your team. It can be somebody working on a completely different thing. But just be like, oh, hey, do you need help with that usability study? Or can I shadow you? Or can I just, or just do it. Just insert yourself, get a front row seat and start inserting yourself into the things and learning, learning on the job, learning while you're getting paid, um, and then use that to shift. So if you're looking to make a like, if you're like say a mid like a midstream mid career person, or even you know a design elder, which is what I think of myself, is like there's you can always pivot like this, like use those interstitial spaces, those liminal spaces, to take those small or big leaps, and make those incremental gains or those big leaps in terms of growing or pivoting. Like that's like, again, I'm on like my third career and that's, and even within design, again, follow your curiosity, follow your energy, follow what sort of like sparks that joy in you. Yes, Jill, that was such wonderful and informative information to go through the whole process of like all these different areas that the UX design is going to be going as well as how can we enter the field? Because you know, it just makes sense for like the portfolio. And even when I started into it, when I didn't have a whole lot of UX design work, it felt horrible where it's like, I don't have any experience in this, but I want to do this stuff. Like, how can I get from where I'm at right now as a web designer to where I want to be? How can I try to bridge that gap to make sense of it? And as it turns out that we have like 50% of like what we already have is already done and we just need to fill in the rest of the gap. Yeah, and I will say this explicitly. You may have noticed that I don't mention like do work for free to get those portfolio samples, right? Mm -hmm. I did too much for too little for far too long when I was younger because you hear all the time of just like, you know, much younger freelancing. People be like, oh, this will be a great portfolio piece for you. This, you know, this will be a very good look for you or based like, no, 
labor is labor and never don't get paid and never work for too little and always have your own back as far as an independent business person. I don't care what, I don't care if you're fresh out of school. I don't care if the mm-hmm. job market's bad. Like that is not, not the, not the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it absolutely is because of, you know, we, we are the ones that are always going to be the ones that are best for ourselves. And I think sometimes we can forget that, especially when we get caught up in everything. We got to stay grounded, stay with our, our career goals, the grand scheme of where we want to be. Never take the end, never take that for granted. Okay. As you're driving close to this episode, what's the best way to support what you're doing? Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, I'm glad to uh, talk to uh, young designers or other folks that uh, find what I say, say resonating with them, uh, especially with regard to pivoting or reinventing yourself in design. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me, uh, uh, get in touch with me via my website, jill.design, uh, J-I-L-L.design. And also uh, watch for uh, a book I have coming out later this year. It's called uh, One Day Sabbatical, which brings uh, human-centered design practices to areas where you're looking to make leaps big and small uh, in your life, regardless of how much time you have to do so. Yes, that's very powerful to know about. And all links of that will be found in the show notes. And I can't wait for your book, Jill. It's going to be pretty amazing. I can't wait. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So thanks so much, Nick. Yeah. So any closing words you'd like our audience to know about? Yeah, I would say to follow your curiosity and your energy it will lead you on the best adventures Mm -hmm, absolutely we all you know it's like we all definitely have different energies that kind of goes for for different vibes of like what direction we want to go and it will also uh, steer you toward the best people to work with and kindred spirits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i know it's like when you find out like the job the the worst jobs aren't the work, it's the people, really. That's kind of how it always feels like. <laughs> Absolutely. One thing I love work, have, being a designer and working on innovation programs is the type of people that are drawn to them, mm-hmm. people that embrace ambiguity and those types of challenges. And they are just these magical hybrids and some of the best people I've ever met in my life. One of my favorite things about leaving any job is then converting them into those people into friends after. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just follow that curiosity and you'll find uh, yourself in good company. Yes. Thank you so much, Jill, for being here. Thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, please do support our guests. And until then, you just listen to the UX Grow podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.